Well, I'm here at Meyer Sound today with Steve Schertz, the Cinema Group Director, and Miles Rogers, the Applications Manager. Thanks, guys, for chatting today. Our pleasure. <laughs> so I, I guess as a full disclosure, I'm a big fan of Meyer Sound. I've done a lot of work with you guys, and I feel the, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this, to talk with you guys, is because I think a lot of people are familiar with Meyer Sound, but not necessarily some of the, the, the evolution of products, the types of speakers and R&D that you guys are doing, and maybe just for both of you guys, if you can kind of give a short background of where you were before, before Meyer, because I feel like people's backgrounds here are just as interesting as what they do currently at Meyer Sound. So, Miles, where were you before you were at Meyer Sound? Um, so I came immediately from Avid Digidesign. I worked with them for about five years down mm. the L.A. area as their field service engineer. Um, I came on board as they were releasing icon and venue consoles and really trying to make sure that they had field support available for their customer base uh, as those consoles came to market. And yeah. it, it was nice. It allowed me to really develop some great relationships with the customer base in the post-production and studio market down in L.A., mm. which was a nice stepping stone as I came on to Meyer because that's exactly what we're doing here. Yeah. Is you know talking to those same people in those same markets, you know, just changing the conversation from Pro Tools and console stuff to uh loudspeakers. Yeah. So how long have you been <clears throat> with Meyer Sound now? I guess four years or so. Four years now, okay. Came on in at the very end of two thousand eleven. Awesome. And for you, Steve, also full disclosure, I've known you probably the longest of anyone uh Looking back to probably 2000, maybe 99, when you were at the time working as general manager at Salzance Film Center here in Berkeley. That's correct. Well, um, I was at Salzance for 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, went through various jobs there, but ended up general manager. Um, during that time, we did over 220 movies, uh, many documentaries. And so... Like Miles, I would be in Los Angeles a lot, mm -hmm. drumming up work, talking to people, and that transferred perfectly over to what we do here at Meyer, talking to slightly different group, more the uh, the actual engineers as opposed to the post supers and uh, studio execs. But you know, it's a small world, so um, it's all worked out. Uh, between that time, I had uh, a couple of years at Dolby as well. Uh, which was good rounding out. And then way back when, I spent 10 years at EMI in Australia uh, as a uh, engineer, as a, a recording engineer as well, uh, and then finally general manager there. So uh, a long, long time with record companies, about 30 years with record companies, uh, but 20 of that was sort of more over on the film side. Yeah. Well, I think on Myers Sound, there's something very different from the top down, obviously. John and Helen... Meyer have been the owners and the visionaries of this company. When you think of how this company is run, the direction and focus of the products, what makes what makes it different? What makes it exciting to work here for you guys? Well, for me, it's the hands-on approach that John and Helen both take. Mm -hmm. That when you have such passion right at the top, it can't help but filter down. And their connections with creative side of things as well as the engineering side goes way back and way deep. Mm -hmm. I think of the relationships that you guys have with a lot of the folks who are using your guys' speakers. It's a very different type of, there's a face to Meyer, 
Um, there's an individual. How do you describe your relationship with a lot of the folks that you're working with, Miles? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, uh, you know, kind of coming back to the beginning there, of what makes it exciting for us to be here, and specifically for me, it, it really just comes down to the, the fact that every time we bring a new product to market, it is something new. It really cha- it offers a new tool to the content creators and that community that allows them to do their their work more creatively mm-hmm. and better. And, you know, and, and I was I, I very personally had that experience when I used HD ones for the first time. I mean, I was working at USC in their cinema sound department at that point in time, and I was recording and mixing uh, scores for the student films, and I would do a lot of those mixes for those films. Um, on other products and I'd always get frustrated that the mixes didn't translate out to you know not just the cinemas um you know there'd be a little bit of a change throughout the different movie theaters we watch them in but also on the laptops and the phones all the different places that you listen to I mean in my case in music score you know I'd listen to it on my truck I'd listen to it on a laptop my phone um and there was never there was, it was just so dramatically different as I would listen to those mixes across all those different playback sources and then we got a set of hd ones in the studio and i didn't immediately feel comfortable with the loudspeakers they didn't do the thing that i was used to i was expecting them to be exactly like everything else that i'd used but as soon as i i got i started working on them and then listening to those mixes out in the real world I found that those mixes translated better across all the different mediums from the movie theater, the laptop, the cell phone. I mean, just they translated better and it blew me away. I, I, I mean, I had never experienced anything like that where you could actually create content that played back more true to what I was trying to do in the music across all those different mediums. Um, and that's, you know, when I came on board with Meyer that we were just really getting started with the Asheron and the EXP line of cinema products. And I was, you know, Steve and I were frontliners out there having those conversations with the content creators who said, I mean, everything from they got it right off the bat to, oh, my, my world has changed. This is this amazing tool to uh, I feel uncomfortable at first. And then we come back a week later and they're like, OK, I get it. I understand what's happening now. And and. I mean, that's just such an exciting place to be in the audio business, to be a part of that relationship of the tools that are changing and being able to offer that to the content creators. I think something that we're seeing, too, is something that was like an HD1 that was developed and started around 1989 that John had a vision for, which was at the time, a you know, a mic calibration speaker. But then it evolves into what it is known today. How do you guys describe how Meyer Sound listens to what the what the users are wanting and then react because i find that that happens a lot i've seen that obviously like some even the monitors um stage boxes you know something that was a direct need for metallica and yet you guys weren't making and then you're able to respond how how does that apply to the cinema products and when you guys are looking at the asheron series and and how it started with an hd1 that's evolved into asherons it's evolved into the amis and the bluehorn speakers which we'll talk about do you want to take this one steve because you're very much involved in well it comes down to um, a reference that you can sit in front of for eight hours a day so low distortion is a a big factor Uh, and reference by reference i mean accuracy and uh, what we did with the asheron series is that we talked to skywalker sound and asked what they would like to hear, what they would like to see. 
and basically designed what they were asking for. And that's a reference quality thing that uh, we could create a translation to conventional equipment, but with lower distortion, with higher accuracy, um, you know, and then filled in the, the, the gaps to a complete line. Yeah, well, what is the, if there are differences that, that call out about <clears throat> this type of uh, approach versus what's already been out on the market, what what has been in the studios that these are now being replaced with, you know, or you know, these speakers are coming and replacing I guess there was Meyer Sound in Skywalker before, so it's... This sort of gets into all the other products, yeah. and that's the fact that someplace like Skywalker Sound is very focused on workflow, and that it starts in small rooms and moves into larger rooms and then finally ends up on the dubbing stage, and after that's done, it's taken into the Stag Theater with 300 seats and played back for everybody, and it's really important that it translate from one... Uh, room to another, not that they sound exactly the same because the rooms are different sizes, but that the balance follows right from one room to the other. And you can really trust it and depend on it. And translation was the word, the number one word they used when they said, well, when we asked, what do you want to see in a cinema loudspeaker? Accurate translation. Yeah. Well, what? How, how does that show up from you going from a much smaller speaker to the larger systems, what is it about the um, the design of these speakers, uh, an aspect of the linearity, how they're designed? What is it that makes it possible for it to go from one system to another, do you think? I mean, I, I will say this is that, so as we were getting the, the rollout of product throughout the, the studios at Skywalker, and they came to us and said, okay, we've got your gear in all of our rooms, except for these smaller pod rooms. Right. You know, we've got a host of other equipment that's coming of age, and we're, we'd like to have a, a smaller monitor uh, from you guys. And so as we worked with them, it was really, and the main goal was, how do we translate out of that small, small room that may be acoustically treated well, mm -hmm. or it could have issues, you know, but how do we give that same translation? And it really came down to imaging. You know, how do you how can you place things within your mix and have that scale up to the next size rooms, uh, as Steve was saying? And and that's really where Ami hits the, the a complete home run because it takes it so that you can start in a small room in a single mix, you know, environment where you've got this you've got computer monitors, you've got walls right up, you know, you got all the stuff around you, but you can start to build a mix in that small room that translates right up through the line. And, uh, you know, ultimately, the feedback that we get is that it lets folks be creative for longer. And that's... Yeah. How do you, yeah, how do you describe the uh, um, the evolution of developing the AMI speakers? Because it obviously... You, I can I heard the end result, you know, a few weeks ago, and it's amazing. Where did it start and how did it evolve? What, what was the timeline for it? Well, we sat down with... Um, Brian Long and Jim Austin, two engineers at Skywalker, uh, our um, vice president of loudspeaker development, um, Pablo Espinoza, and myself went over there and we sat down and talked for quite a while about what they wanted to see in a small monitor speaker. And they basically have everything there, every other small monitor you can name. They've tried them out or they actually own them. And they've said that, you know, they all sound great. There's nothing wrong with any of them, except they don't necessarily translate accurately. And that, for them, the workflow aspect was the important part. 
And also they wanted that imaging that a horn gives a sound, mm -hmm. that sort of magnifying glass on the mid-range that it has. And that also has another advantage in that it uh, kind of puts you right in the zone but overcomes a lot of the acoustics in the room. And this was perfect for some of these rooms that Miles mentions that are, <clears throat> some are great, but some are less than optimum. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was basically, and then as far as the parameters of the frequency response, as close to a cinema system as possible, which, as you know, is not all the way down to 20 hertz. It's only down to 40 hertz. And as far as the top end, it can go out to 16K, but as we know, there's often a roll-off involved with the uh, X-curve or whatever you want to call it. So we developed something that wasn't flashy, but more accurate for the workflow. Yeah, and something that you guys are rolling out soon is a, a subwoofer component for the AMI. What's the idea behind adding the subwoofer? Well, it, it comes back to having a complete system solution. You know, that's that's really the the place in this and and what we want to offer right off the bat. But as you get into the subwoofer offering, we already have a yeah. handful of really great products that are available and in use. And so it wasn't so much of a need right off the bat. It's like, okay, we've got these other products. Let's make sure we get the, the AMI product developed first. But, you know, it's it's part of really bringing in what we've been learning and and some new technologies and being able to offer a complete package. And 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 we that's what we really have done, this, this new subwoofer um, and the configurations that will be available when it comes to market is exciting in, in the context that it is primarily for the cinema market, but it work, it will work really well for the music guys. And we will make options for the subwoofer that make it so that you don't have to be set up with, you know, all this processing and everything. You can really just take two XLRs into the subwoofer and it will decide exactly what needs to go where and two AMIs and a subwoofer will sound like a complete system. I think something that you mentioned before we, recorded, we started was that the difference of the AMI and the HD1 is that there's an impact sensor on this HD1 that has been changed, but it's, it's, it's a different... <laughs> it, it makes shipping of them, you know, you want to you don't want to drop a, an HD1 in shipping. Right. You want to be mindful of, of how you treat that device. And, you know, that's that's it is a... a a precision instrument, so to speak, right. you know, and, and we were actually really happy to find out that, well, you certainly don't want to drop it on me, but <laughs> it is a little bit more robust. And so shipping it around and, and moving it from room to room as you're, you're, you know, you have one pod room set up, but you have an engineer moving into another room and, you know, you, you don't have to be so, so hypersensitive yeah. to <laughs> knocking them around, so to speak. And the thing, the fact of the matter is that these can obviously live in a facility, a, a world-class facility like Skywalker, but then also a home-based studio, I think of even, you know, what I use for editorial. Why does a product like this work in different locations? What is it about how it's constructed, how the stereo imaging works? What is it about this product that there is the translation? So just to, I mean... One way, one side of that yeah. is that um, many of the um, the near field reference monitors that folks are using are a baffle loaded dome tweeter, which is going to give you a high frequency coverage that you know it could be in the range of 120 degrees. And yeah. so, if you're sitting there with two monitors and a console and you know all these things that are in between your head and the loudspeakers, all that high frequency content is going to interact with it and it's going to have an effect. You know, it, it you may be able to 
hear through it or as you work over time you know we all kind of put those filters into place in our own heads of of how we're listening but Ami is a horn-loaded dome tweeter and it now gives us the the opportunity to really focus where that sound is going so that we can have less interaction with the console we can have less interaction with those monitors we can really say here's the user you are sitting there I'm focused at you here's your image what is it from previous products and other speakers that Myers developed that the idea of putting the horn came into oh we should apply this to the Ami where was the idea from the UP Junior and the UPJ, mm-hmm. which is a small trap bo- trapezoidal box that has a rotatable horn. Uh, very popular, actually, with some of the Skywalker yeah. uh, um, editors over there and mixers. And it was kind of the inspiration. Yeah. When you think of um, what's happened maybe over the past five years with some of the immersive formats in theater spaces, where it's Oro or Atmos, what is it about cinema as a whole moving forward when you think of putting speakers overhead and the type of boxes that you guys have been developing. What has that done in terms of how you guys think about your designs when you think about? Well, that's an evolving answer. And um, I'd say coverage pattern is a huge part of that. Uh, our HMS 12, which has a 100 by 100 coverage pattern, works extremely well for surround systems. Um, the 80 by 80s are good too, but you have to have a higher quantity of them to, to, to build the zone exactly right. Uh, going forward, we're going to be doing some in-wall stuff for um, residential and constellation work. Uh, how those horns are going to be implemented, I think, will be influenced by what we've learned from the uh, HMS series. Uh, and so it's a it's an ongoing conversation. Yeah. When you guys, I even remember when the first time um, Atmos was premiered at the Dolby Theater, I think for Brave was it? Um, and it, I think oh, the overheads were, or maybe the whole system was Myers at the time. It was using, I guess, what, what speakers were those that it was using at they the time? They were HMS 10s, 10s yeah. and they were configured in a quad formation. Right. So they were sort of pods of four to get the coverage pattern that they needed. Uh, we didn't actually have the HMS 12 at that time, yeah. uh, or we might have reevaluated that. Well, just think of the fact that that from that time to now, there's been a lot of education and running into corners of we can do this better, we can evolve it. I think now looking ahead, how do you keep challenging the product lines? How do you keep answering what the engineers and folks are needing? Well, I think we've got a pretty well fleshed out product line on the post side. Uh, That does translate nicely over to uh, exhibition. But in exhibition, if we're talking about huge exhibition, very large rooms, um, our new line array, the uh, Leo line array, actually works extremely well for large-scale exhibition. Leopard. I'm sorry. Leopard. (laughs) Leopard. All the cats. (laughs) And um, thank you, Miles. Uh, On the other side of it, though, the existence of this line provides a perfect stepping stone from moving into residential. And high-end residential and um, I have to say corporate, that what we're seeing is a lot of corporate uh, sales with uh, some of the Silicon Valley people and some of the financial people. Uh, They're putting in um, boardrooms that are small cinema systems and it's like a high-end residential system or corporate system. 
you have to have some architectural products as well that look good, uh, yet still have the performance that Meyer demands. So uh, this this is our challenge, and this is where we're going. In terms of where you guys are going, I was going to say the, the future of your guys' speakers is pretty incredible when you talk about the blue horn and what this speaker is, what it represents, how it, it's it's kind of a hybrid, right, of taking many different parts of your guys' speaker lens and putting it together. You know, the blue horn is a really exciting technology offering to the community. Um, and, and we can put that together in a package right now that's because we are a loudspeaker manufacturer that makes these line array products that, you know, I mean, we have such breadth in, in our product line that we can really, we, we can we can cherry pick, you know, yeah. these components and put them together for what we want to do. And Bluehorn takes all of those, those really kind of top components, so to speak, you know, so we take compression driver technology from the Leopard we take amplifier technology uh, and, and actually speed things up a little bit. We combine, and now that's within the Asheron designer, so it's technically a modified Asheron designer package right now. Then we couple that with an X400 and make it a full-range three-way system. And then we can add a little bit of our, our special sauce, so to speak, to uh, really make that system work as a single system and, and offer something new to the community. Who gave this idea a green light? Well, what was it about? You know, <laughs> uh, a green light. Well, so I think it kind of comes back to a little bit of just the story of Meyer Sound, where so often there are these techni- technical things that that are are brought out of the R and D group and what John Meyer is working on, um, and they they will come to Steve and I and say, okay, let's bring in the content creators, let's bring in some users and and get some real world feedback, and that's what we do, and. Yeah. You know, Steve and I can love something and be like, oh, man, this is amazing. But as soon as we bring in content creators from the outside that not only reinforce that, but then have so much more to offer, that's when you know you're headed down the right path. And I guess one of those kind of case studies has been with Mickey Hart, who's been obviously really involved with John Meyer and the history goes back really far. What was it about Mickey Hart's needs that made complete sense that this was this was a good marriage? So very specifically, Mickey Hart doesn't have the Blue Horn system, right. um, but he's recently put in a system uh, to his rework studio up there, um, and he is actually now exploring the low end. You know, that's that's his focus right now with his the sets that he's doing. Um, you know, there's I, I will never forget a conversation between he and John Meyer where he basically is saying, "I'm telling you, John." drones the, the this mm. this low frequency power goes out over the crowds and i can see i can see this energy you know just grabbing people and it's this it's this whole area that he's exploring is low frequency and and the power that it has over the human body and you guys are developing a subwoofer that does exactly that right that's exactly it yeah One, another thing in development again this yeah. is <laughs> the uh, the you know the little glimpse into the R and D projects that are coming forward yeah. and and coming to market, but it allows us the extension into those those frequency ranges that you aren't necessarily hearing, but you're definitely feeling. Yeah, I think that's something that is so evident in a lot of of these the speaker designs is that it is about feel. It is about the experience when you're in this space. I mean, I, I know that. You know, what I've been hearing in my studio versus what I hear when I come to Meyer Sound, it's very different and exposes, I think, the listener to something that a lot of people don't don't have the experiences unless you're at a Skywalker or other facilities where these are. What What is it about 
this drive for Myra Sucks. You guys don't stop. Who's driving? Is this from John? Like, where where do you think people are finding that there's still areas that need to be developed? There's still greater need in different aspects. Well, I mean, I have my answer, and I'm sure Steve has his, but, you know, at least for me, there's so much passion in this company. Passion and experience and when you put those things together with with a, a leader, with, with you know a person like John Meyer who says, "Go down those paths, explore. Let's see what we can do and 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 bring to this community." Mm-hmm. Um, that's really exciting. And then you combine that with customers that say, "Build me this," thing, you know, that, mm-hmm. that have high high demands and are always going to be pushing past what's available. Um, it's just a really, I mean, it's 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 nice. Uh, uh, pieces to come together. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. There's a, you know, we're we're forever debating different directions and things to do, and and unfortunately, we always have more cool ideas than we have resources to develop them. Um, but you know, what resonates with John Meyer is usually uh, something that that gets a green light, um, but it takes persuasion and. Um, despite the fact that we're somewhat a stubborn engineering company, uh-huh. I've I've found people very open to articulating a need and them resonating with it and going with it, uh, and that's internal. And then, as Miles says, we're completely uh, always being driven by the outside, saying, well, "Why don't you add this?" or "Could you make me that?" or whatever. And and those those get heard. Those 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 requests definitely get absorbed into the bigger conversation i think something that people should understand too is that these all these speakers are manufactured here in berkeley in your guys's shop what does that enable you guys to do in terms of do you guys walk across the street and go into the shop and get instant feedback or the other way around they they say okay we got something for you to hear and they'll drop it on us for steve and i though what that allows us to do in our function here is that we can bring our customers in and we can show them exactly what we're up to. You know, we can walk them down to cone fabrication and say, hey, look what, you know, this is how it's done, right? You know, we have complete control over this process. We monitor everything. And that really speaks to the community. I mean, you know, we're not just audio nerds, but we're also tech nerds. <laughs> and people like to see how things are made. <laughs> and and that's what we, I mean, that's an exciting addition to the relationship because not only can a user come in and have or or rather have the product in their studio and get the end experience but they can see how much passion and how much personality and how much family is a part of the the construction of these products i mean you know it's every you walk down through every single building where where we're making cones, we're making the electronics, we're putting the, the loudspeakers together, and there's somebody that's got a smile on their face, you know, that's, hey, come on in, you know, shows, shows you what they're up to. And that's an enthusiasm that, it, I mean, it's just, it's it's through the entire company. It, I mean, it really is company-wide. Um, just, we're, we're all excited about what's happening, and we like to show it off. <laughs> and that's that's a big advantage of being here in Berkeley, is that, we don't have to fly somebody to China and, and say, okay, here's this part, and then fly back and show them the rest. We can take them start to finish, you know, in a couple hours. Nice. A, a recent example of that is the, uh, the leopard uh, woofer, where, you know, I've talked to our engineers who say, listen, when you have full control over the design of the cone for the driver, you, I mean, if you're starting there, it really opens up parameters on what you can do. 
And what they did on the woofer is that they didn't just grab a 10 or an 8. They played around with it. They decided what they wanted, and they finally said, you know what? We have to build a 9. And there's no other 9s. You're right, yeah. We have the only 9. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> 9 was what they wanted, and so 9 is what we built. Yeah. What happens, like you're saying, when you guys are developing something? Like, How do you describe the development? That When you think you have it, and then you get the feedback, but then you keep going. You're not done, obviously, yet with with the product line. How did that apply to even to something like AMI? Well, I'd like to speak to that. The AMI, there's no other speaker quite like it that has been purposely designed to fit in a workflow approach. And Skywalker guys have, I mean, I've literally had editors walk out of their room when they've heard I'm in the, in the in, at Skywalker and come over and shake my hand and say, I can't believe how that little speaker sounds like a dub stage. It's, it's just exactly what I've wanted. Uh, or somebody like Leslie Schatz, who says, literally a game changer. I've mixed whole movies on this small speaker. Yet other people I've taken it to and said, now listen, this is how this works. It's a single person speaker and it's a workflow speaker and that you judge it by the product that moves through it and onward and at the other space. And had him hand it back to me and said, well, I found them a little dull, or I found the image a little tight, wasn't wide, and you go, well, yeah, but that's not how it was designed. It was designed to work this way. Did you try that? And they go, well, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a big-time guy, and I just, you know. And they're very used to the dozens of other small monitors, which, frankly, and I've, I've used them, I, I know this is true, have a little bit of sparkle at the top, a little bit of boom at the bottom, and they sound great. The point is they're not as accurate. And so um, I'd say... It's one of those interesting things that, uh, like Miles said earlier, you, you have to sort of let them get used to it, that they have to literally, we built you a new tool, you have to understand this tool. And, and, and we try to communicate that. Sometimes it doesn't get through. Other times it's an absolute home run. Mm -hmm. I think what we're talking about here is habits and what people are comfortable with or what they associate as with I have to have this type of gear to do this type of work and that's kind of breaking that mold in a way that I think people need to hear in order to make draw their own answers I think something that's very different is you know people are going to say well where do I hear these these are one of these products that you need to hear to believe and I definitely believe that's the case what are some ways that people can hear these what where well what we've been doing is we've been putting lots of them out for uh, demo purposes, but not the standard demo of here, play some, play back some stuff you've done on other speakers and see what you think. Mm -hmm. That really is not adequate for judging these speakers. It's basically saying, if you're prepared to do some product on it, use it on a project. Use it on a project that will roll into perhaps the larger stage or at least move into being judged on other formats. Uh, that's where we say, okay, take a month, take six weeks, whatever it takes, but give it a fair go. And, and from that, we get, you know, reasonable results. And frankly, that's been the only way to move it. Um, uh, although we, um, we're, we're marketing it in a unique way. Uh, this is, this is a trial that we're, we're, uh, experimenting with where rather than going through a, a standard approach, 
we're making it available directly to the public, and we're quantity basing the price. That if you buy uh, nine of them or uh, seven of them, five, whatever it is, uh, the price will change, uh, and um, and and you can buy them directly from the internet. So uh, this hasn't actually been taken up by a lot of our dealers because. Uh, of this direct sale situation. So it has made it hard for uh, some of the people that want to hear them to find a place to go in and hear them. Yeah, which is always the case. No matter how they're being sold out, I remember the first time I wanted to buy speakers, I went to Guitar Center and just saw what they had on the wall and you do that speaker test. Who knows how it's set up? It's really hard and difficult. Obviously, that that's one way that people can go about it, but not always the best case scenario. Do you guys have any tips to folks who are interested in upgrading their systems when they think about the need to upgrade, the the real difference of what they might have pre-existing and what Meyer Sound can provide? Uh, as far as tips around, uh, you know, it, it's, it basically comes down to the content you're creating and the tools that you need to create that content. Um, if you're in a in a small room with a single mix position and you're looking to translate up through you know the mid-size to the dub stages um i can't think of a better speaker than ami it really is a home run on that on that front um you pair it now with the ami companion subwoofer uh you can get into some of the two-channel music stuff you know because you now are going to get some extension and power on the low end it's going to round out the that product or, or rather just that that uh sonic character um but as far as you know upgrading a room and knowing what to you know that's where steve and i come in is that we want to develop a relationship with someone and say what are you up to (laughs) do we have the right tool for you i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i I can't give someone advice until i know what it is that they do and you know if you're here in the bay area come and see us (laughs) you know sit down in bear's lab like we are now you know, uh, you bring your content, and we can play back through a Pro Tools system, we can stream two-channel music, and you know, we can set up a demo for you and let you do some work and go away, or we can sit with you and have a conversation. Um, and we can do that in LA, we can set that up, you know, but it really is about us trying to find the right tool for the job you're doing. And maybe it's not on me, maybe it's an you know, HD1, maybe it is an Ashron designer, you know, we, we want to make sure that our product line, well, let's not make sure, our product line scales. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so we want to make sure that we scale properly to what your need is. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. This is a lot of fun, I guess, for folks who want to find out more information. There's MeyerSound.com, which is a great resource, but obviously to hear it in person is another. So hopefully people can do that. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, guys. <laughs>